You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of Eastern Iowa's most influential business leaders. Jessica Schomberger is the Vice President of Operations for Goodwill of the Heartland, based here in Iowa City. She's dedicated the entirety of her professional career to advancing the mission of Goodwill, beyond just the retail stores that many of us are familiar with. Their latest win is focused on packaging and selling vegetable oils across the globe, a project which took them a decade to land and is a testament to both Jess's innovative spirit as well as her determination to the Goodwill mission. I talked with Jess about her experiences at Goodwill, how entrepreneurship is diversifying the core strengths of the organization, and how she makes time in her busy schedule to nourish her own spirit. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Well, Jess, thank you so much for taking the time. I know all of us uh, that have grown up in, in Eastern Iowa, like myself, uh, are very familiar with Goodwill and all the all the um, work that you guys do. But we're probably most familiar with it, you know, growing up as a kid, going to get a Halloween costume, or now, you know, having just moved a house, taking you know, truckloads of, of stuff over there to, for other people to, to buy and reuse. Talk, Thank you. But, but I know there's so much more that goes on with the company that a lot of us don't know. That's right. Um, what's the one thing about Goodwill that people should know about that, that you think they probably don't know? Yeah, we're, I would say it's that we're more than a store. So we take the 40 million pounds of donations. And when I use that number, I'm talking about Goodwill of the Heartland, which serves a 19-county area in southeast Iowa. We take those donated goods, we resell them in a store, and all of that money, in fact, 91 cents of every revenue dollar, is reinvested into our mission to help people overcome barriers to independence. And we do that primarily through work training programs and other programs that support someone's self-sufficiency. So that's what you need to know. Your donations are really doing some good stuff. Towards the social mission and all that. Absolutely, yeah. We're a social enterprise. We run businesses, we take that money, we reinvest it into what we care about, just help people overcome barriers to independence. That's awesome. And you guys are doing a lot of uh, kind of entrepreneurial things now as well with, with this vegetable oil plant. We'll get into that in a little bit, but we some are. other other things that go on as well. But talk a bit about kind of your career path and what drew you to Goodwill. You've been here now 17 years. You're the vice president of operations. Mm-hmm. How did how did you interconnect with with Goodwill? When and how did that happen? Yeah, it was not a direct route. In fact, my life uh, after high school, I wasn't a very focused kid in school. <laughs> I didn't really know what it is that I wanted to do. I, I finished high school and I went right into work. I've always loved to work. So I worked for Starbucks Coffee Company for a while. Um, I also cleaned. This was in, the, in San Diego? It was in yeah, San okay. Diego, yeah. And then I'd do anything just to bring the money in and pay the bills in Southern California. So I'd clean houses. Uh, I had a temporary job where I made up city abbreviations for the yellow pages for a period of time. <laughs> so did whatever I had to do. And then went back to school as kind of a non-traditional student. And I remember... Um, In fact, on my drive here, I went by Mount Mercy University. That's where I finished up my four-year degree. And I had this outstanding professor, Mohammed Chaichian, and I took a a social inequalities class and just got really fired up about wanting to make the world a better place and to right some wrongs and give people a second chance. And 
uh, after I graduated, I saw this position at Goodwill for a job development specialist Mm -hmm. where I could help people find jobs. I love to work. I could help other people find work. And I applied. Uh, I got the job. And then that's been my life ever since. 17 years at Goodwill. No turning back. (laughs) That's awesome. And when you started at Mount Mercy, did you have a sort of a goal in mind? Was there another profession that you were pursuing at that time? Or was it sort of, you'll figure it out during those four years? You know, it was a little bit of a toss up uh, between either earth sciences and working for the DNR, the Department of Natural Resources, or going into human services. So I ended up uh, sticking with human services, probably because I was really passionate about what I was studying in sociology. And I just wanted to do something with that. I wanted to take action on what I had learned about in school and really start to attack social problems. And I felt like I could do that at an organization like Goodwill. Sure. So you, you started at that entry-level position. What would talk me through, if you think back to your first month at Goodwill, what were, uh, what were some of the biggest challenges? What were some of the most rewarding things? Yeah. I, I, like any new job, I'm sure you're uh, a little bit overwhelmed. Yeah, I probably was really overwhelmed with the number of people I was trying to help find jobs. 20 to 25 people. They all had very different interests, very different backgrounds. Um, and I quickly learned that, boy, sometimes these individuals aren't given a fair shake in mm-hmm. the hiring practices of area businesses. Um, perhaps they're overlooked because they have a criminal background or because they have a disability that's visible and the employer assumes maybe there's a limitation on their skill set. And so I really started to kind of hone my message around what people can do and the potential that they have in order to inspire companies to hire the job seekers that we were working with. And I must have been pretty effective at that. Uh, (laughs) Persistent. Yeah, yeah, persistent for sure. Never give up. But I think uh, every job I've ever had had at Goodwill, I'm so focused on the goals associated with the position that I have that I never really considered upward mobility or the next job. I I wasn't really a very ambitious person. I'm still not. So my success and the roles that I have at Goodwill usually led to someone at the organization approaching me and saying, what about this other opportunity at Goodwill? Would you be interested in that? And that's kind of how I worked my way up through the Just diving into the work and being successful in what you're doing. And then the the next opportunity brings itself from there. Yeah, there was never any self-interest. It was just be the, do the best that I can on behalf of the people that I serve. And then good things kind of came as a result of that um, that allowed me to move up in my career and make more money to support my family and take on some leadership responsibilities. So those 20, 25 people you were helping find jobs, I'm curious, how do they find their way to you at Goodwill? What's Mm -hmm. the, what's sort of the process that these folks take? Yeah. So there are a lot of community agencies that refer people who need support with employment, either skills training or help with finding a job to Goodwill. So one of those entities is the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. Um, Sometimes it's the Department of Corrections or it's a program like Drug Court, Mm -hmm. which, which is designed to try to keep people out of prison. We partner with uh, veteran, Veterans Affairs, so we get referrals from those, those organizations, and then we uh, connect those people to services at Goodwill, funding where we can get it, and then they're connected with a professional like me who helps them find a job. That's great. Well, this is obviously very, you know, in business, there's, you know, numbers and spreadsheets and these sort of things, but you're, the work that you're undertaking is it's very personal. There's the, the, the human element to it. It is. Talk a bit about um, some of the biggest challenges that come along with that sort of work. Yeah. You know, as exciting as it is uh, to watch people make progress in their lives, 
uh, there's always setbacks mm -hmm. because that's an inevitable part of human nature. So it's it's difficult to see people graduate from our programs, complete our programs, and then maybe make poor decisions or experience another setback where they lose their housing or uh, they struggle to find a job because they've got, you know, that criminal history I, I referenced earlier. That, that, that pulls at the heartstrings, right? That hurts because you want to see people succeed. But ultimately, you can't own their successes or their failures, so you just have to refocus, at least I do, refocus your energy on what you can control and who you can help. Yeah, that's... How, how have you grown in that through your career at Goodwill? Because that's that's got to be very difficult. There's sort of a, a bit of a paradox there, right? In terms yeah. of you got to care. That what's drawn you to the work is the fact that you care so much about these people. But then, like you said, there's some um, challenges to some folks that don't you're not able to serve as best as you might like. So mm -hmm. how, how have you been able to deal with that over the course of your career? How have you matured mm -hmm. um, within that through, through your time? Uh, well, my husband always reminds me to focus on what I can control. <laughs> 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 so whenever, yeah. whenever, whenever I feel down and out, he always reminds me of that. And I think over the course of my career, you know, it, it's it's that old saying: one door opens, and, or one door closes, another one opens. So you just kind of refocus on what you can do and who you can impact. And I think that I've done that pretty well over my time at Goodwill. I'm I'm a very persistent person. I don't give up easily. So the challenges, you know, you just you figure out a way to overcome and help people learn skills and find jobs period that's it so Jess we have a, you know a lot of business listeners here with it being of course the corridor business journal um, but a lot of us kind of think of it personally when you know we're giving our, our goods or we've grown out of some clothes or our kids clothes or something to goodwill but how how are ways that our business community and our businesses can better plug into goodwill and help support your mission yeah. well you can hire our job seekers uh, so there are a lot of people that we help find employment every year. Last year, we helped over 700 people find jobs in southeast Iowa and the Quad Cities. So that's one way. Another way would be to support us financially. So we do have a capital campaign going to support the vegetable oil venture. And certainly every dollar that we get from area businesses and some like Procter & Gamble, Collins Aerospace, they've supported our venture. Um, those dollars mean that it, it helps with our startup costs so that we don't have to take out extra loans or pull additional money out of our strategic reserves. So that's definitely a way to support our cause and, and help us launch the business. As you look forward into Goodwill, I mean, how first of all, how has how has Goodwill changed during your seventeen years, and where do you see it? Where do you see it going over the next ten years? Maybe this is a good prelude into the you know the special project you've been working on that I mentioned before. Sure. So Goodwill's been around since 1902. That's a lot of history for a social service organization. Founded by an Iowan, right? It, yeah. Yes, Edgar Helms, a uh, Methodist minister, was working in uh, for a church in Boston. There were a lot of newcomers to the country who didn't speak the language and didn't have a job. He didn't necessarily believe in the charity model, so he went around and collected gently used items uh, from the wealthier residents Boston. They were rebuilt, resold. It's a store. Uh, we've, we've been a store ever since, right? So retail is a big part of our organization, but that retail landscape is changing and it's mm -hmm. changing quickly. Uh, online commerce, you know, selling even used goods online, thread up, for instance, 
um, Craigslist, yeah. your people are finding a way to turn their used goods into cash on their own, which has affected our donations. And then if you look at the landscape for retail in general, a lot of brick and mortar shops are shutting down, right? They're closed and look at Yonkers, gone. Yep. So I think as we look to our future, we recognize that we need to, our retail operations need to evolve. We're selling things online through Shop Goodwill. Uh, we also recognize the need to diversify and have other business lines, which is part of the reason why we pursued the vegetable oil project. Mm -hmm. And you've evolved from your early stages as doing the social work and help people with jobs, and you still that's still a part of your work, but you've yeah. taken on some of these entrepreneurial ventures as well. Talk a bit about that evolution for you personally and professionally. Yeah, well, I've always been entrepreneurial, so let me let me start there and tell a couple of quick stories from my childhood. You know, I my imaginary play was always work. <laughs> so I'd run a food store out of my mom's kitchen. I would wait tables in the restaurant that I owned in the living room, and I'd do that all weekend and every day. Um, we lived right um, behind us, I should say, was a soccer field. So as a kid, when whenever there were tournaments that would come to town, I'd ride my bike down to the Ben Franklin and I'd get a bunch of candy and I'd drag my ironing board out, set it up, tablecloth over the top uh, for a small upcharge. Price it up, yeah. Cost plus pricing. <laughs> yeah, for a small upcharge, I would sell all the Jolly Ranchers that I could stock. <laughs> And I think I, I've always found a way to make money and to, to be involved in something new and exciting. So for me at Goodwill, you know, with this vegetable oil operation uh, and all that you need to learn associated with food packaging and regulations, um, oh my gosh, it's been exciting. So I'm, I'm able to apply my passions, my <laughs> interests for new business through uh, my work with Goodwill too. So how did the vegetable oil project come to be? How did it first come onto your desk or Goodwill's mm -hmm. radar? And then I know there were you know, some ups and downs as you pursued the project over time. And right. talk, talk a bit about that. Um, so we there's a nonprofit agency that posts federal opportunities for Goodwills and other uh, organizations that create jobs for people with disabilities. And so there was a posting to package oil in four liter cans for the USDA and this humanitarian food aid project. And so we pursued it initially back in 2013. Uh, we weren't selected. We learned a lot from that process. And so then when it was reposted, it was posted again in 2017, we pursued it the second time and we were selected. And so it's been uh, quite a process to negotiate price with the USDA, which took about a year. Uh, to develop all of our engineering plans, select a site, and now we're at the point where we're going to launch in May. Mm -hmm. We've got a plant director hired. We've got a position posted for a quality director, and we'll bring all of our team on and our equipment into the building probably about March of next year. <laughs> now, you, you just rattled off a bunch of things. I know you were kind of managing <laughs> negotiations and yeah. hiring and project management yeah. and ma now manufacturing all these sort of things but these i'm assuming are, have been sort of relatively new things on your on your radar as a yeah. as a business manager i mean what was the most challenging what was the what was the biggest uh, hurdle oh well there really isn't a, a business plan that anyone hands you for <laughs> how to package vegetable oil right. so uh, there was a lot of learning uh, and we had to identify resources to help us along the way so we found a great um 
food scientist who is plant director for another nonprofit uh, in North Carolina, hmm. and he agreed to help us through the process. We hired an engineering firm that specializes in food. That's what they do. They work for some giants, so General Mills, Nestle, Heinz. They helped us to select a plant. They even helped us with the interview process on our plant director. Um, we've reached out and gotten some support from area organizations like the Center for Industrial Research and Service. It's part of the ISU Extension. Hmm. Um, and really, it's just been through that community support that we've kind of navigated through the last two to three years of excitement. Pulling the experts in and the resources. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a great lesson, finding the people that can join your team and help you. Yes. And then what's the timeline look now going forward? Okay. Where's the plant? What's it, what's it look like? What's sort of the, the impact here locally to the corridor? Sure. Uh, so the plant's in Coralville, Iowa. It's about a 63,000 square foot facility. Uh, we're going to create uh, up to 40 jobs with about half of those positions filled by people with disabilities. We're going to be packaging soy oil, and mm-hmm. Iowa is a top soybean producing state. We know a thing state. or two about that. Yeah, yeah we good. know a couple things. Yeah. Uh, and we've got five soy oil refineries within about 270 miles of that plant. So we're going to purchase oil from companies that have pretty deep roots in Iowa, Cargill, ADM, AGP. Mm-hmm. And then when we package the oil, not only are we going to be creating jobs, but those will be training programs too. So we're going to create a pipeline of workforce, trained workforce for area manufacturers, which is an industry that's big in Iowa. Yeah. And then the, the great benefit of this project, in my opinion, is that we get to impact others outside the U.S. So all of this oil, about 6 million cans a year, will be distributed overseas. It will go to 70 countries and approximately 80 million people who are food insecure around the world. That's amazing. That's yeah. a, that's what, what a great project for the community and a great way to kind of grow grow goodwill and, yeah. and, and the model there. And then how long is that contract with the, with the USDA once it gets going? Yeah, so it's a part of a federal set-aside program, and there is no end date. So as long as we deliver quality product on time at a fair market price, the contract is ours. We'll be the only nonprofit agency in the U.S. fulfilling the need for the USDA. And the, the equipment we're going to invest in, it will be highly automated. Um, we can put other liquid products down the line. Our intent is to grow. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could do some private label packaging for companies like Hy-Vee, or we could uh, get into other edible oils, salad dressings, maple syrup. I mean, who knows yeah. what we could run down the line. Um, we're going to build the infrastructure and the competency so that we can grow our liquid packaging business. That's amazing. The platform will be in place, and you can kind of push it from there. And you, yep. this project in and of itself is a great uh, example of kind of entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship within an existing company company or organization and um, talk a bit about maybe some challenges that you saw convincing colleagues or the or the the group (laughs) right I mean it's it's hard when when something is is running a certain way right like Goodwill's you know very effective in the the retail and doing those things but talk a bit about kind of coalescing a you know a coalition of folks around this idea and 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 how how you manage through that yeah it didn't come without its challenges uh you basically you think about it we're going to invest eight million dollars right so that's that's a lot that for a 35 million dollar year organization that's a big deal so you got to you got to come up with a plan that you can get others including your board of directors to buy into Mm -hmm. I think we were able to get that buy-in for all the reasons that I just discussed as far as why we're going to get into the vegetable oil packaging business from a, an impact to the, the state and local economy, job creation, training programs, revenue diversification. But we also had some capability already. 
Um, Goodwill's been in contract manufacturing for a very long time. Okay. We're good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we partner with for-profit companies like Whirlpool Corporation, Collins Aerospace, uh, Nordstrom Direct. We, we identify projects that we bring in under contract. We complete those projects for those businesses, and we create paid training for the people we serve. So last year we had 4,165 shipments involving 7.4 million finished products and 100% on-time delivery. And that's all with a workforce that's training and not competitively employed. And because we were able to meet that manufacturing demand so well, I think our, our board and our team saw potential there, right. and we were able to say, hey, this isn't really that much of a stretch. Yeah, it's Let's food. plug this strength into another opportunity yeah, when we see it. into yeah. a bigger opportunity, mm-hmm. one that's really going to change the mix of our revenue streams, which, again, as a social enterprise, it's really important when you want to sustain your business into the future. Absolutely. So how about you personally, Jess? I mean, 17 years at Goodwill, where, where would you like to see the next 15 years go? Oh, at Goodwill. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or professional I, goals within there. I mean, obviously accomplished so much. And like you, I just love the, the philosophy of do well now, you know, put your head down and then poke back up when another opportunity continue to grow instead of being calculated, you know, calculating your way through a career path. But yeah, you know, if you, if you fast forward 15 years from now and then you look back, like what, what would make this, this next 15 years a success in your opinion? Yeah. I would like to see the business that we have now, uh, just really grow to the point where we're serving a couple hundred people a year through our food packaging operation to the point where we're doing some of that private label packaging that I explained, really grow this business and do it well. I think there's great potential there, but I've already got other projects on the horizon. Um, our CEO is very interested in exploring a Goodwill outlet. Uh, I'll briefly explain that. So an outlet store is a by the pound store. It's not a traditional Goodwill store where things are maybe marked 388. There is a high level of inventory turn. So there's always fresh product on the floor every, let's say, 45 to 50 minutes. You dump product that didn't sell in your stores into a dump table and people pull through it, grab what they want. They dump their things into a cart. They pull it over to a floor scale where we weigh it and we charge them by the pound. Mm -hmm. So it's a great way to keep things out of the landfill that we couldn't sell to kind of get more revenue out of that donated goods. So we're being good stewards of our resources and then those operations usually allow you to grow your recycling efforts too yeah um, last year we recycled about 11 million pounds of donated goods everything from textiles shoes belts cords purses computers maybe if we had an outlet operation with a lot of recycling we could do vacuum cleaners or plastic mm. toys or um, yeah so the there's there's always something new to apply your creativity to at goodwill yeah that's great. And one more question before we get into the rapid fire questions. But sure. you've, you've given your, your professional career to a nonprofit in Goodwill that does amazing things uh, for the community and the people that it serves. But, you know, you, you rattle off all these great business accomplishments as well. So I, I'm sure and I know a person like yourself is the private sector, the, you know, the for-profit sector has wooed you time and time again. But you've chosen to kind of stick to this path. Yeah. Talk a bit about how you weigh, you know, the the work, the, you know, the idealism around your path with goodwill versus perhaps some other opportunities where the monetary yeah. upside may, may have been bigger. Yeah, I guess it's just, uh, it comes down to a values question, right? What do you, what do you value? And 
I don't know that I, when I talk to my friends and family, there aren't many who feel really engaged in their work every day as far as purpose or, or a sense of mission. You know, maybe they're there to make money, maybe they're there to help others make money, but they don't get to see their impact on other people mm-hmm. every day. And for me, you know, you, you couldn't pay me enough to take me away from an opportunity where I can impact others and make maybe my little corner of the world a, a little bit better for having lived in it. Sure. Yeah, that's that you can't put a paycheck on that. That's just something that drives me, gets me out of bed every day. Yeah, that's awesome. What a great, great lesson for all of us. Um, we like to finish with some of these uh, quick questions, just a little bit of a better glimpse into you. Um, mm-hmm. How much of your success would you contribute to luck versus hard work? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I think it's probably at least 50% hard work, lots of lots and lots of hard work probably 30% luck. And then I'm going to add in another third variable. Another okay. This is good. I yeah. Like it. Yeah. Risk taking. And <laughs> okay. that's not just luck. I mean, that's, that's the stuff that scares you, right? Those are those decisions you're confronted with. Should I do it or not? There's some risk. Maybe I'll fail. And sometimes you do, but there's no better teacher than failure. So that's in the mix. It's mm-hmm. not just luck and hard work. There's a little bit of risk taking involved in life. From the gusto to, yeah, to, to take yeah, that yeah. leap. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, so we kind of hit on this a little bit, but if you had to choose a different profession other than Goodwill, what would it be? I don't know. Um, I think I would work in natural resources, like I talked about before. Um, I love our, 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 you know, our national parks, and mm-hmm. I would love to be a part of uh, preserving our land and educating people about the value of our natural resources. Very cool. Has there been a business leader, either locally or nationally, or someone, when I say business, I use that in quotes, or maybe someone in the nonprofit world that that you've looked up to or followed? Josh Schamberger. I (laughs) admire him so much. I married him. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Josh, (laughs) the president of of Think Iowa City and the Convention Bureau. He's he's been a great leader for the community for a long time. Very genuine leader and gets others to collaborate. He's successful. Absolutely. Um, now outside of work, how about, a? I know you got, you know, a bunch of boys at the house too, kids. Mm. Um, is there a podcast or TV show that either you like or the family's family dives into? Yeah. My oldest son and I are really into mystery science theater 3000. Okay. Great show. Uh, <laughs> outstanding show. And then Josh and I love to watch comedians in cars getting coffee. Okay. Yeah. I'm not oh. familiar with that. Who's that? Oh my is it a gosh. Netflix show or is it? Uh, it, it is a, a Netflix show. So Jerry Seinfeld always gets these really cool classic cars and then he picks up a comedian or he even had Obama uh, featured on one of his shows and they drive around, they get coffee, they get something to eat and they just chit chat and it's hilarious. That's oh good. yeah. It's, definitely check that out. I got to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, motivational quote, anything you guys have at, at Goodwill or at home that Oh, I know who inspires me. So I do have a quote. It's uh, do or do not. There is no try for Master Yoda. Um, Yeah. I think it says it all. It's timely. Yeah. Star Wars is (laughs) rocking and rolling again. Um, That's that's a good one. Uh, 30 extra minutes in a day. What would you do with it? That's a toss up between weightlifting and sleep. Probably (laughs) depends on the day. I know you're you're an, you're an avid biker. You and your husband Josh do a lot. We've we've we biked. Do. We've been on reg ride together we a few have, times. Yeah. Um, how is there like an, a regular daily regimen for you? A workout regimen? Or yes, is it, there is. Yep, what's that I look like? run in all seasons. Good. So even as long as it's not double digits in the negative, I'll go out for it. Um, there's morning, no morning afternoon. Morning. Okay. Start the day out right. Clear the head. It's really and truly my only quiet time. You have multiple routes from your house, or is there one kind of go-to? Or there's a go-to route, but sometimes they mix it up. I probably have three or four, um, and How then long? Uh, three to five miles. Good. That's enough for me. 
I've been doing that. I mean, that's that's kind of been like post football for me. It's kind of been like a big thing. Like, yeah. it, like it's almost like every like each day. It's sort of like I need to you need to get out, and it's it's more of a mental emotional. It is kickstart to the day than anything, but it's like getting out and spending thirty minutes to an hour, kind of sure clearing your head is is important. It is. It's almost like meditation, yeah. and it's good for you. And then uh, the colder and the harsher the conditions, uh, it feels like it just builds your mental toughness. <laughs> like ah, I'm just gonna do it's it a, anyway. A Spartan mentality. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's true. We need to embrace that in Iowa. We would be inside quite a bit. <laughs> right. uh, how about a book? Has there been something that's been influential to you throughout your career? Yeah, I have to admit, if I'm being honest, I don't love business books. I'm more of a literature gal. Uh, but I, I have read some good books, Dream Manager, Crucial Conversations, which I find you can pretty easily apply to work. Um, there are some great books about emotional intelligence, which I think a lot of leaders lack. Um, that, that I think Emotional IQ is the title of the book. Those are pretty good. Cool. Yeah. Well, how about fiction? We're not against fiction here at the CBJ. We, we, we do, we do well, literature. Then you're, then you're talking John Steinbeck. I mean, okay. he's my guy. So I really love East of Eden, mm-hmm. Grapes of Wrath. Um, the Pearl is kind of an interesting bit of work by him. So I, I really... Uh, the classics, the American classics. I yeah. just find the, the written word just so interesting. I love, I love the technique, and then I just love thinking about literature. Yeah. Sure. And then, uh, just to finish up here, in one sentence, how would you define success? Hmm. I don't often define things in just one sentence, <laughs> but if I had to. That's the whole to. point of the question. That's what we're... <laughs> if I had to, I would say, you know, a life that's full of love and family and purposeful work. Awesome. And you're, and you're certainly, I think, winning in all, all of those categories. I Thank try. you so much, Jess, for taking the time. My pleasure, Nate. Thanks for inviting me. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.